Hello and welcome back to the Chronic Fatigue and Burnout Recovery Podcast. In this podcast today, I'm going to be talking about the possible root causes of chronic fatigue. If you have tuned into some of the previous episodes that have been released recently, specifically the cell danger response episode and the episode I released last week on the big picture of fatigue recovery, you may already have a sense of what the possible root causes could be. Feel free to go back and listen to those episodes as well if you haven't already. But in this episode, I'm going to touch on them a little bit more, not in a huge level of detail, but um, just enough to give you a sense of what could possibly be going on for you. So when I first became unwell with chronic fatigue, I guess there were certain biochemical imbalances that I was addressing in my body. So for example, when I first started working with a practitioner, I already had a lot of self-care practices. I was meditating, I was practicing yoga, I was spending time in nature, I was journaling. There were a lot of things that I was already doing to look after my body. And therefore, we jumped straight ahead and we jumped into rebalancing some of those secondary biochemical imbalances. So I worked a lot on my blood sugar in the beginning. I worked on my digestive health. I worked on oxygenation. A lot of those pieces of the puzzle that I mentioned in the previous episode. And then when I spoke with other people about what was going on in my body, a lot of the chronic fatigue literature or resources or people posting things online, it's all very much nervous system focused. And there's this assumption almost that chronic fatigue is just a burnout. It's just a dysfunction of the nervous system. And I would say, yes, absolutely, we do need to factor nervous system nourishment or nervous system care into a chronic fatigue and burnout recovery plan. But sometimes there are other things going on. And ultimately, chronic fatigue develops when something has been wearing down the system over time. And yes, that could just be chronic stress or big traumas which have happened in the past, changing the window of tolerance, and therefore everyday stress is very stressful to an individual. But where I went so incredibly wrong in my journey was stopping there, thinking that I just needed some supplements for my mitochondria and needed to work on my blood sugar balance and support my nervous system and that would be enough. And it was when I was doing all of those things and I didn't feel like I was making the progress that I wanted to make and the progress that I should have been making for all the time and energy and money that I was investing in my health and self-care, I started to look deeper into what was going on. I just felt like something had been missed. And it was at that point in time that I discovered the mold mycotoxins, began to do a mold detox protocol, and then as a consequence of that, started to feel a lot better. So the reason I pre-frame this episode with this little story is to understand that a lot of the people you may see online and the posts you may read on Instagram may just say, you just need to brain retrain or regulate your nervous system and then you will be well. 
And that can be very gaslighting for the people who are doing those things and still not getting better, in some cases even getting worse. So this is an opportunity to think a little bit bigger, to think about some other things that could be going on. I do not want to say that brain retraining or nervous system work isn't helpful because it's incredibly helpful. And for people who are only experiencing a burnout or only feeling unwell because of their nervous system, it can be great and it can take them the whole way. But there's a lot of people that need other support to work through that cell danger response to get the body out of threat and to help it feel relatively safer. So the things I'm going to discuss today are going to be mold mycotoxins or mold um, illness. I'm going to talk a little bit about viral infections. I'll talk a little bit about trauma and the nervous system, and I'll talk about toxins and the gut. So the first one on that list is mold mycotoxins. And obviously this is an area that I feel very passionate about because this was my personal experience. However, I work with some clients where mold isn't an issue. So a paper by Brewer et al. in 2013 tested 112 patients with chronic fatigue syndrome for mold mycotoxins. And 104 of those 112 patients, so 93%, tested positive for at least one mold mycotoxin, with 30% of cases testing positive for more than one of those mycotoxins. 90% of these cases had a current or historical history of exposure to a water-damaged building. And when the exposure was current, environmental testing was performed in the water-damaged building and potentially mycotoxin-producing mold species were identified as mycotoxins. Where the exposure was current environmental testing was performed in the water damage building and potentially mycotoxin producing mold species were identified. They also had healthy controls in the study who had no prior or current exposure to water damaged buildings and these healthy controls didn't test positive for mold mycotoxins. So here we can see that there can be a relationship between chronic fatigue and mold mycotoxins. Typically, if someone has had a mold exposure through a water-damaged building, they can inhale mold spores, which can produce mycotoxins, potentially colonize in the body and continue to produce toxins. And these toxins can cause damage by increasing oxidative stress, which is the balance between damaging reactive oxygen species and protective antioxidants. And this damage can specifically target and damage cells in the nervous system. In hindsight, after I had my own mold exposure, I definitely noticed a change in my nervous system. I had drunk caffeine the whole way through my fatigue recovery. And then after I had the mold exposure, I really noticed a change in my tolerance to caffeine and a huge, huge increase in anxiety as well. We can also get specific types of mycotoxins that can induce mitochondrial dysfunction in the brain, and that can impact brain energy and cognitive function. 
Mycotoxins can also interact with the neuroimmune axis, triggering inflammation and inflammation of the brain, leading to cognitive dysfunction. And this is why we see very low brain energy and brain fog in the cases of mold toxicity. Mycotoxins can also impair neuroplasticity, which can contribute to cognitive dysfunction, depression, anxiety, and other mental health issues. Mycotoxins can also compromise the blood-brain barrier, which means they can cross into the brain and have a neurotoxic effect on neurons. The other thing that is helpful to know is that mold mycotoxins and mold spores are associated with a histamine response. They can trigger mast cell activation syndrome and therefore often we see that people who have mold toxicity also may have a lot of those high histamine symptoms which can you know, manifest in a variety of ways but it might look like shortness of breath, feeling a little bit more asthmatic, maybe reacting on the skin, itching, to name a few. So it goes beyond the scope of this specific podcast to talk about the ins and outs of what you do if you have a mold problem. But the first thing I would say at this point in time is that if you suspect you've had a mold exposure because you know you've lived in a water damaged building or you resonate with some of the symptoms of mold toxicity, then it is really worth testing to make sure that this is a problem for you or to see if this is a problem for you or not. When I work with clients, we would do a case history and I might ask questions about living in a moldy home or a water damaged building and combine that with the symptoms that they're presenting with, especially if they've got a lot of high histamine symptoms. And then I might suggest testing. And the test that you can do for this is the mycotoxin test, which is by Great Plains Laboratory. Regenerous is the provider here in the UK. You would need to work with a practitioner like myself to get tested but once you are tested the test interpretation is easy it's pretty much black or white you've got it or you don't but then creating a strategic support and recovery plan can be quite involved. So the next possible root cause of fatigue that I would like to discuss is trauma and chronic stress. And if you are a living, breathing human being, then you have been impacted by trauma and it could be playing a role in your fatigue recovery. It's most likely playing a role, whether that's big or small, in your fatigue recovery. And maybe you already know a little bit about trauma and the nervous system, or maybe you're thinking, what has this got to do with my energy levels? Or nothing, quote, quote, bad has ever happened to me. So I don't have to worry about trauma. So before I go into a little bit more on this, I'd like to clear a few things up. The first thing I'd like to clear up is what is trauma and why do we all have it? And then I'd like to answer the question, could this be a root cause for your chronic fatigue symptoms? So let's start with what is trauma? Most people think of trauma as what is referred to as the big T's. These are big and significant life events like abuse, loss, being in a major accident or experiencing a horrific incident. 
But trauma can also be little tears. It can be small accidents. It can be divorce or financial issues or legal issues or loss of a loved one or even your pet. It can be a relationship breakdown, surgeries or invasive procedures and many, many more things. But trauma is actually anything that happens too fast, too soon, and goes on for too long that is too much for the nervous system to handle. Therefore, it's less about the actual event and more about the person's nervous system who is experiencing the event. Chronic stress can be a trauma. It accumulates over time and wears down the nervous system. And so eventually even small things can feel too big to handle and the nervous system can experience overwhelm or shutdown. And chronic fatigue and chronic diseases can develop when something wears the body down over time and eventually it's too much for the body to cope. It's really important to understand that trauma isn't in the brain, but it's in the body. And traumatic events, big or small, that haven't been given the space and support to be processed can get stuck in the body and keep the body in a heightened nervous system state. So what this means is there can be people who do experience big tears, horrific, tragic events, but if they have the support that they need, if there's space for them to process that traumatic energy, they can be much less affected than somebody who maybe only experiences a minor incident, but doesn't have the support or the resourcefulness in their system at the time. What we're specifically looking at when we consider the pathophysiology of chronic fatigue or chronic illness is that the physiology and biochemistry of the body changes to maintain survival mode. But over time, this comes at a cost to our health. So here I like to describe that the nervous system can get stuck on or stuck off. So stuck on might look like a constantly heightened sympathetic nervous system, which is characterized by anxiety, hypervigilance, nervous energy, difficulty sleeping, and that tired but wired feeling. Stuck off is the nervous system in a parasympathetic dominant state, which is characterized by exhaustion, fatigue, disassociation, immobility, and in shutdown. And in case you're wondering, yes, you can actually have a little bit of both because when we are in this state of freeze or shutdown, there's usually a huge amount of sympathetic energy lying underneath. So there can be a sense of exhaustion and anxiety or difficulty sleeping and shutdown. It doesn't have to necessarily be one or the other. But either way, in the context of fatigue, the body's resources are prioritized towards threat and maintaining the responses of the survival systems, and they're prioritized away from rest, recovery, and repair, which means that we don't get the nourishment that the body needs. And it's like trying to drive a car with your foot flat on the accelerator and the handbrake right up. You burn through huge amounts of energy, but you can still feel quite stuck and like you're going absolutely nowhere. 
So there's no test which will say to you, yes, nervous system dysregulation is the root cause of your chronic fatigue. But I think a lot of people get a sense that it is because when we start to slow down and tune in and connect to the body and we notice the sensations that are present there, we can notice if there's sensations of activation or we can notice if there's sensations of freeze or shutdown. And people feel it. They feel it in their heart rate. They feel it in how their breath moves in and out of their body and how grounded and peaceful and calm they feel in their body. Again, it's beyond the scope of today's episode to go into detail on this, but what we really want to do is support the body to find a sense of safety and remembering that if there are other triggers like toxins or molds or infections or viruses, those things will also need to be removed or supported so that the body can actually experience that sense of safety. But from a nervous system perspective only, we want to to think of the idea that the nervous system is interfacing with your life every single moment of every single day and therefore everything you're doing day to day day in and day out is sending messages to your nervous system and this is where creating a healing routine a way of living a way of being in the world can be really supportive for your nervous system in addition to all the other practices that you might do somatically or with brain retraining um, and hormetic stresses to support your nervous system our day-to-day lives have to feel safe and if you are someone who is a high achiever overworking constantly you know trying to perfect and prove and please and perform To suddenly go from a state of very, very high activation to a state of rest and regulation can feel overwhelming for a dysregulated system. So it's okay for these changes to be slow, but we do want to make sure that we're heading in the right direction and supporting our regulation day to day as much as possible. So then the next possible root cause of fatigue could be toxins and heavy metals. So toxins are commonly overlooked when it comes to energy. And admittedly, I only really got into exploring toxins and detoxification when I realized that mold toxicity was one of my root contributors to my chronic fatigue. And the sad fact of the matter is that toxins are everywhere. And we definitely want to consider toxic load in a fatigue recovery support plan, even if you don't have a mold exposure, even if you don't have heavy metals, we still really want to be supporting the liver and the detoxification pathways because the immune system needs to detoxify its immune molecules. So if you're fighting off an infection, then those immune molecules need to go somewhere. And so therefore, healthy detoxification is a really important part of immune regulation. So signs of toxic overload can include fatigue and brain fog, feeling hungover, muscle and joint pains, skin conditions, weight gain, especially around the middle. 
And toxins can come from the food we eat, the air we breathe, the water we drink, food packaging, processed foods, pesticides on our foods, home cleaning and beauty products, chemicals or biotoxins or heavy metals. So there's a huge range of ways that we can get exposed to toxins and when it's never going to be perfect we're never going to eliminate toxins completely from our environment but we can reduce them and we can support how we eliminate toxins from the body there are a few ways in which toxins can contribute to fatigue and the first one is that they are one of the main triggers for the cell danger response so if you haven't already listened to that episode on the cell danger response you definitely want to do that um, but the cell danger response is the cell's ancient and universal response to threat. So if the body perceives that there's an overwhelming amount of toxicity in the environment, it's going to shut down and then energy is prioritized away from the brain and away from the body towards survival, towards the immune system. But toxins can also interfere with the way that the body makes energy. Specifically, heavy metals can interfere with the Krebs cycle, which is the cycle inside the mitochondria by which we produce ATP. Toxins can be endocrine disruptors, so they can disrupt the hormonal systems of the body and influence cortisol, blood sugar, thyroid hormone, and sex hormones. And these imbalances could be playing a role in fatigue. Toxins can also disrupt the microbiome, that balance of bacteria we have inside the digestive tract. And because there's such a close relationship between the gut and the brain, it means that they can also impact health and energy and be a cause of brain fog and fatigue. Toxins, specifically heavy metals, can also feed parasites and this can compromise immune function and it can use a lot of energy to be constantly keeping the immune system in an active state. And then finally, detoxification is actually a very energetically demanding process. It takes a lot of energy to detoxify. Therefore, if the liver is overburdened, that's a drain on the body's energy and resources. But if your energy and resources is already low, that means that there's even less energy to prioritize towards detoxification. And that can increase the toxic burden and therefore the toxic load on some of these systems which are impacting energy. So how do you know if toxins are a problem for you? And here I feel like unless you're testing something like urine mycotoxins, there's not a lot of really great tests available for toxic load. We would tend to look at the symptoms of a client. I mentioned some of the symptoms um, when I started talking about toxins today. And we might also look at toxin exposure. So especially when we're looking at certain professions like hairdressers or cleaners or tradespeople who are using a lot of chemicals as part of their work or somebody who has mercury amalgams or somebody who has breast implants or gets a lot of Botox and fillers. You know, these would be sort of classic red flags to consider toxic load, but there may also be genetic abnormalities in um, genetic testing when we look at 
single nucleotide polymorphisms, SNPs. Some people may have certain genetic SNPs, which means that they have compromised detoxification because their detoxification enzymes are maybe a little bit more sluggish. And I also quite like doing the organic acids test, which measures the functioning of the Krebs cycle. Because heavy metals can be potentially roadblocks to the Krebs cycle, if we're seeing a lot of um, backup in the movement through the Krebs cycle, that can sometimes be an indicator to test heavy metals. You can test heavy metals in blood. You can test heavy metals in urine. The testing can be a little bit controversial, but it might be worthwhile doing depending on the case history. And so then we get to Lyme disease and viral infections. And this is such a big area, but I also feel it's an area where there are a lot of unknowns. We have so many viruses that don't even have names. There's no way we can even test for these viruses because the tests haven't been developed yet. And so my personal approach when I'm thinking about a viral load in someone is if we do the testing and we've got the information that maybe there are some positive tests, we want to consider the terrain. So Louis Pasteur said on his deathbed, the pathogen is nothing, the terrain is everything. And in the context of chronic or historical viral and bacterial infections that may be behind ongoing fatigue, we want to think about the terrain. And in this case, the terrain is the body and the interconnected network of the body system. So thinking about the gut, the mitochondria, the hormonal systems, detoxification, methylation, a lot of the systems that I've spoken about in some of the other episodes. And we're really starting to think about, are these functioning optimally to support the body, manage this viral load? So one of my favorite analogies is where the virus is the hammer and the window pane is the body. So if you throw a hammer at a window pane and the window breaks, even when you remove the hammer, which is the virus, you still have a broken window. There's still some cleanup work that needs to be done. So very often when someone becomes unwell due to a virus, When the body is protecting against an infection, so a viral infection in this case, what we experience is a huge inflammation of the immune system. So the immune system creates like a raging fire to protect the body from the virus. And let's say the immune system does its job, it's able to protect the body from the virus, but there's been a lot of damage that has been created in creating that fire. And now even though the pathogen or the threat is now gone, there's been a lot of imbalance which has been created in the process which needs rebalancing. So sometimes we do need antibiotics or antimicrobial natural support like herbs to remove bacteria, viruses or parasites from the body. But sometimes what we also need to do is use all the other tools in the trauma-informed functional medicine tool chest to help the body recover, rebalance and restore optimal function. 
And actually here, if you think about the cell danger response, which I spoke about a couple of episodes ago, it's a very similar model. We want to do what we can to remove the threat and then go on and support the body. And that might look like supporting the gut, addressing the microbiome, looking at parasites or yeast, promoting good digestion and absorption of nutrients, making sure that the gut membranes are working really well. We might want to be looking at that low-hanging fruit, so addressing blood sugar and making dietary change and working on sleep and reducing inflammation and improving detoxification and improving our toxic load and supporting the nervous system and supporting the mitochondria and making sure the hormonal systems are in balance and that we can lower inflammation and support the immune system as a whole. So even if there is some sort of viral infection, it's usually never about just going after the infection. In some cases, that can be helpful. For example, in acute Lyme, taking antibiotics can be really, really helpful. But in the longer term, and especially when someone has been ill for a while, it's really about considering the whole body and what imbalances are present in the whole body and what we need to do for that unique individual to bring things back into balance. And I would say just the final one here is looking at gut infections. I work with a lot of clients who developed fatigue sometimes after a viral infection, but also sometimes after a tummy bug or a parasitic infection. And so here again, it's the same issue, this idea of how do we support the terrain? If the infection is still there and still present, then we maybe need to do some sort of remove protocol to clear the body of the parasite or the bug or whatever it might be. But we also need to support the nervous system because the nervous system is very closely related to the immune system and support the immune system directly so that the capacity of the body to deal with this threat and or challenge is bolstered, it's strong, it's resilient. And then very likely, if there has been an infection there for a long time, the body has created adaptations to deal with that infection. It's created imbalances and other parts of the body. We want to address those as well. So when we're looking at gut infections as a possible root cause of fatigue, I do really like a stool test. Um, they can be really helpful, but they don't always pick up on everything. So again, we want to look at the client's symptoms, the client's history, and any other testing that could give some clues into what's going on. So that brings me to the end of this episode, looking at the possible root causes for chronic fatigue. Hopefully I've covered the big ones. There may be other secondary imbalances which can also cause fatigue, for example, mitochondrial dysfunction, changes in the sex hormones. But this is just assuming that those changes are secondary to these big things which have tricked the system and really remembering that we want to help the body move to a greater sense of safety so that we can then create balance in these other systems too. 
So as always, if you have enjoyed the episode, please share it. If you know anyone who would benefit from hearing this and listening to this, and um, please make sure you leave a review because your reviews help others find these episodes and helps them get the support and information that they need on their fatigue recovery journey. I will see you in the next episode.